possible. Need another big third down conversion. Meyer looking to throw, fires deep down the left side for Blythe, and he has the catch. Tiptoeing the sidelines, 20, 10, 5, touchdown Todd Blythe, his fourth of the day. Unbelievable. All right, it's good to be back. Took a week off. Todd, what number is this? I have no idea. It was uh, We kind of took a, a bye week last week. Iowa State had a bye week. Meyer to Blythe podcast took a bye week as well. Yeah, it actually happened to be one of those weeks. Well, first off, my name is Brett Meyer. I am uh, one of uh, one of two here on the Meyer to Blythe podcast. Uh, joined, as always, by uh, Todd Blythe, the one and only. Um, did take a week off, but uh, I know I personally was on the road. It just seemed like I was in the, uh, traveled down to Arizona and up to Minot, North Dakota, just for work stuff and travel. I know it's Arizona for training and Minot for cases. It's part of the country that I cover. So, um, but yeah, it's good. To, uh, I'm actually, I'm recording coming to you live from a Marriott hotel room in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, cousin, Omaha. I didn't even yeah. know where you were. Yeah. My, no, my, uh, one of my little cousins, not little cousin anymore, but she, cousin Andrea is getting married on Saturday. So it's going to be an outdoor wedding and high of like 40 degrees. So. Oh, that sounds miserable. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we kind of were going back and forth on whether or not we come, but they're, they've always been real close to us. My mom's younger brothers, uh, only daughter. So they got two kids and a boy and a girl, but, uh, yeah, she's there. We've always been really close to them. So it'll be fun to kind of come hang out in a very responsible, socially distanced mass environment. <laughs> So I feel like uh, like a cousin's wedding is always kind of one of those things that leading up to it, I always just kind of dread, like, I just don't really want to go to it. And it's always great to see everybody and you have a good time. So it's always, you're always happy you went, but leading up to it, you're just like, gosh, I, there's probably a lot of other stuff I'd like to get done that weekend. But yeah, well, I mean, you're, I, I you're a good man, Brett. You're I care about man. my family. I know you're kind of a meat guy. <laughs> it's kind of, oh, along those lines, speaking of caring about family. No. <clears throat> so after the last, uh, after the last episode, you know, we had, we had Coverly on. And I told the story of, uh, in Nebraska, um, how I came down on my tailbone and, uh, thought that I had, uh, I'll say, um, crapped my pants because my mother listened to the episode and she was upset and asked me not to swear on the podcast anymore. So, uh, mom, if you're listening, you're probably the only one that does, uh, I'll try not to swear on the podcast anymore. So 35 years old, um, and still being asked by my mother not to use swear words um, when telling stories. So, Brett, I figured you might enjoy that. Having that yes. time around Cinda, you probably like that. How about Cinda just backing you down and be like, listen, Todd. She did. She said we might have to implement a swear jar of some sort. Um, she said she's listened to a couple episodes. <laughs> not all of them. So disappointed in that, Mom. But uh, she's listened to a couple of episodes, and she's heard me swear a couple of times, and she said she has never heard Brett swear. So because <laughs> she knows. I'm a, I haven't actually. You're, uh, you're kind of her favorite think, son right now. I know. I, we need to, I need to mark it better, though, because my mom was like, I was talking to her today because we split up the drive from Minneapolis to Omaha and stayed at their place and just north of Ames and Gilbert, and she was like, I have all these people talking about the podcast. Like, so somebody's listening and she was like, I didn't even know you were doing that. So I need to tell mom what I'm doing, but, uh, uh good job. But yeah. How about our parents driving to every road game together? Like oh. legit every road game together. How about our parents, especially at least our moms being just scary, similar people yeah. <laughs> all through college. Salt of the earth. But yeah, they are very similar. And Absolutely. tell you what, when Cinda would send up a, a batch of lasagna in college, oh. that was, 
Second she's going to love to hear that you, uh, you're you know. still on that list. Well, I won't say. I'll say Beth Myers is on is number one. Send is 1A. Well, that's, that's wrong. Of, but we, can, we can move on, but that's wrong. It is. It's 1 and 1A. I mean, just like me. I'm 1A, 1, and you're 1. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So let's see here. Um, Polk City, nine inches of snow this week, last oh week. Oh, my gosh. Is that, yeah, I don't know that? if it ever, like, I don't, it never really accumulated to that much. It just... I mean, we'd have three, four inches on the ground. It just kept snowing, kept snowing. Um, yeah. One of those days, I, I had a tea time at one o'clock, uh, and there was, you know, three, four, five inches of snow on the ground. So I went ahead and canceled that. I, I, I have enough time trying to, you know, trying to find my golf ball after I hit it anyway. So trying to hit a white golf ball into um, four or five inches of snow didn't sound like it'd be, it'd be much fun for me. So I went ahead and canceled my tea time. That was sad. <laughs> but you have to do work instead at one o'clock. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. Take a take a little afternoon, uh, little afternoon um, me day, if you if I will. But uh, it's uh, I'm not ready for snow. I'm uh, I love the fall. It's like my favorite time of year. A lot of that, obviously, it's football season. But I just it's love. Over. Uh, I love like 50, 55 degree weather. I like when the leaves are changing color. And now there's no leaves on the trees. They've all been blown down by thirty five mile an hour gusts of wind and snow. Um, so yeah, we're, we're pretty much, uh, straight into winter here. Yeah. You're welcome. I mean, it's basically like being in Minnesota. So we actually had a couple of weeks of fall. We had a really nice spring, which made COVID bearable having to be at home, nice hot summer. So I'm not complaining. I just, there's always that transition period where it's like, Oh, okay. Today's the day. Do you want to, do we want to talk about COVID at all? Or do we want to talk about the, I know the debate is going on tonight, uh, probably going on right now. I know we had, we had blocked off about 20, 30 minutes to talk about that tonight. Yeah, right. Um, let's talk, let's talk COVID in the big 10. I, I was, I was just thinking about this because <laughs> like they're going to have, they don't have any bye weeks built in their schedule because they starting, they're starting so late. Who is going to be most of well, them, the team that's most likely to, because what you've seen essentially is I know there's some, sometimes it's unavoidable, but like at both the college and the NFL level, like having Coves on last week, like you feel really good about like our chances to make this work mm-hmm. and to keep guys healthy. I mean, COVID related healthy, just because of all the things they're doing um, and all the precautions they're taking and utilizing like different buildings on campus that aren't being used right now. Cause there's no students there and just distancing and there are schools that in NFL teams that have had outbreaks. Um, and like you hear about the Titans and all, and now the Raiders had a couple outbreaks today. They had guys not wearing their tracking bracelets. And so they don't know who was, who was around who. And obviously, you know, several different colleges who either don't have the means at some of the lower levels to take all these precautions or just don't care at some of the power five levels. So of all the big 10 teams that would be most likely, cause they don't have any bye weeks. They have to play like eight. I think what are the 10 straight weeks, whatever, how many yeah. straight weeks they got to play. Yep. So they're most, there's going to be, I, my, my vote's going to be like, yeah, programs like Iowa, Ohio state, Michigan, probably you can throw in there, Michigan. I mean, programs that have good, solid leadership at the head coaching spot. It's Rutgers. That's all I was going to say. I was going to say Nebraska. I was going to say Nebraska or Rutgers. Well, I don't Nebraska know anything. You have a bunch of folks who think uh, COVID is a hoax. And yeah, then Rutgers, I might have a few of those Jersey, in Iowa so City, just, too. Get some idiots Jersey's over there. Jersey's kind of dirty anyway, so you know it's going to yeah. be Rutgers. <laughs> yeah. Rutgers and Maryland are still in the Big Ten, by the way. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, we have West there. Virginia, which still doesn't feel right. I know. But our league, we had – and that whole realignment thing went down. We were just – we were damn near a MAC team. Scrambling for anybody, I think. Oh, my gosh. That was Should have picked up Houston. 
on the show. But although we might get beat by him some years. Yeah, no, nah, we uh, as long as we don't have to play Lafayette again, gee. <laughs> or you know, tell you what, that. if we if we just play like I think we can and and really take care of business and things you know shake out our way, how about that possibly being a game that keeps us out of uh, you know something really really big this year? <laughs> how crazy would that be? I would think that I don't. This might be a year where the SEC only gets one team because you know Georgia. I mean, there's not a program in the country that's mismanaged their quarterback position worse than Georgia relative to the opportunity that they have and the players they've had at that position. Like they had Justin Fields should be your quarterback. If he's your quarterback, yes, you probably won. You might've won last year and you're probably, you put you, you would be the number one team real far. But then again, Alabama's you saying they shouldn't have played uh, from, I mean, from whatever Jake from. He was good. He had him on the brink of the any, national championship. I get that, but any specific reason you don't? You're not a Jake Fromm fan. And then you um, were talking about on the pod why you may, why you may or may not be a Jake Fromm fan. <laughs> yeah, For anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, just Google his name. Oh yeah, didn't he? Didn't he have some hiccup about like elite white people or something stupid like that? Yeah, he said something okay. about uh, take all the guns out of black people's hands and something about. Okay. Yeah, only elite white people should be allowed to buy guns. I think was the gist of what he said. Yeah, I think elite white people was was the yeah. exact term that he used. So that's that's yeah. problematic. Yeah, I've heard you use the same line. I'm kidding. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> other people are listening to this that I don't know, know, know that we joke about this stuff. Well, Todd is a Todd is a nice person. Um, so I didn't even that was jokes even, don't play real well. I know, I know. So I wasn't even. Uh, yeah, I wasn't thinking about that. I'm just thinking about like he's he's an average. He's probably NFL backup at best. Oh yeah, he was a very average quarterback. Didn't yeah, have a good arm. He was a no, game manager. Yeah, for, and you have a program Justin like Georgia, Fields. You should Come never have now. a game manager in there. Yeah, that's, that's that's Kirby Smart's last frontier is to be able to manage and because you look at what Alabama's done in managing and developing quarterbacks. Like their offense is actually uh, more prolific than LSU was last year. They're averaging like 12 yards per pass play right now. Every time they drop Jeez. back, 12 yards, almost 50 points a game. That's but like, of course, I mean, that's like Oh four Iowa state or Oh five. Iowa 05. state. Probably. Yeah. Right. So it is funny though, how it gets, how it gets like when the big 12 has these games where it's like 56, 48, cause we've seen a bunch of those in the sec this year. And it's like, man, oh, these yeah. offenses are great. It's like, yeah. well, wait a minute. When, when we, when our team score a lot of points, it's just, we have no defense, but big all of a sudden the no has, defense. Yeah. 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 It's just interesting, but we know sec is, they, I mean, obviously they have the best players and it's the deepest conference, but it's a little top heavy and, and there's a lot of parody in college football these days. It's not like it was probably, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast here that social media and things like that have changed, have changed things as all those kids in the South that maybe always stayed in the SEC or we talked about it in terms of Texas uh, last time, they don't have to stay there anymore. It's not like they grow up only hearing about one or two schools. With social media and everything these days, you grow up and, hey, if you fall in love and, with Ohio State and you're from – the state of Alabama or Louisiana or Florida, uh, it's not, it's at the click of a mouse to go get all the information you want to know about that school. So it's not like it used to be. Um, so there's a lot more parity, I think, just as far as uh, regions and conferences than there has, ever was before. Yeah. I mean, you say there's parity, but again, it's like, how many teams do you think have a shot at winning at all? Most likely, like the three far and away best rosters in the country are Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. I mean, if we're just being honest. I would agree. I mean, 
it, it's going to be the same, the same handful of teams every, every year. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth. A second ago, I was talking about parody, and now all of a sudden, I, I agree. When you actually say it out loud, I agree. It's just yeah, I mean, there are a handful of teams every single year. That yeah, are, that are I think, yeah, there, there's, yeah, I mean, there's. Everybody else is kind of competing and hoping to be that dark horse candidate. Yeah, you're looking that, for that, that fourth team. In the playoffs. Team. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it could be. I mean, this year, Oregon's, I don't know if they're going to even play enough games to be. Who knows? That's so, that's so odd that everybody's, I mean, is everybody playing essentially the same amount of games? Everybody's playing 10 games? I don't even know. I, I, but. I think so. I don't know. I mean, I haven't looked far enough, and I don't know the exact number of games that, uh, that some of these other conferences are playing. Um, yeah, but. Um, do, you think, uh, do you think Clemson has the same run if they're in the SEC and have to go through that, that SEC gauntlet every week? Or is, does Clemson really benefit by the fact that they can kind of coast along, stay healthy, stay positive, work on what they need to work on week to week, and then gear up and kind of time things right for when they have to play the big dogs in the playoffs? Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I think – Because they're far and away the best team in that conference, and it's not close. The SEC, at least, you're going to have some dogfights every now and, that, now and again in that conference. But the ACC is outside of Clemson. That's pretty yeah, but I mean, if you look at like, sometimes I think it gets a little bit overrated in the scheduling for the SEC. Because like last year, you look at Alabama's schedule, they played, I'm looking at it right now. They played Duke, New Mexico State, South Carolina. We'll just go SEC. They played South Carolina, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Arkansas, LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn. Okay. So, so LSU, Auburn, and then Mississippi State is going to have teams every few years. They'll have a team that can really. Yeah, compete. but I'm saying okay. So if you look at like, let's just say okay, Clemson, we're gonna we're gonna put you in place of Alabama. Really, there's one game LSU where they wouldn't have been favored by a lot, right? Yeah, they would have been right. favored in basically every game. So I think it does. Yeah, it, but it's not about being favored. I mean, Clemson well, yeah. walks into a game in ACC, and and it's not a, it's not a a contest. So they don't have to worry about a. Hey, Trevor Lawrence or our, you know, more importantly, our O-line D-line is going to have to play four quarters. They're probably gearing up to play three quarters, rest, and, um, you know, they get their work in and then they can sit and, and be healthy. Yeah, but know, if they played – yeah, if, I mean, if, if they played – they would have, you know, they play – if Clemson goes and plays South Carolina, they play them every year. They blow them out every year. If they would have played Ole Miss, Alabama beat them 59-31. Clemson could do that too. So, I, I think – I think they would be similar because they – I mean, again, they have – you know, a, just as capable a coaching staff that has had much less turnover than what Saban's had at Alabama. True. They have a quarterback who's maybe, I mean, you're, you're splitting hairs, but right there with Tua and Mac Jones is probably just going to be as good. He'll be a top 10 pick. He's lighting it up. Um, so I, I don't see, there's no drop off there. I think, I think the SEC schedule is they have the best players. I get it. It's the deepest league, but there are years where it's overrated. And then, but then there are some years where, like, you know, if you're another team in the West, like last year, like Mississippi State, you got to play Auburn, LSU, and Alabama. Like, that's an unbelievably tough schedule. Yeah. But, you know, but, just, but at the same time, we're talking about Clemson, who has a roster that can handle that. And yeah, I mean, I think it would be tougher some years, and in some years, you know, it probably wouldn't be. So, true. I mean, yeah, you just, I mean, if, if Miami, you know, in Louisville, there's years where they're decent. I mean, there's some good teams, I think. But, yeah, I, I don't – to answer yeah, your but, question, I mean, I'd we're say... at the point now the last, you know, five, ten years where Miami and Louisville's real good teams aren't like, you know, the the other teams in the SEC when they have real good teams. I mean, Auburn's really good teams are better than what Miami has put on the field in a very long time. 
Yeah, but Auburn's also like perennially overrated just about every year, every other That's year. True. Like this year again, it's like. Are they the Michigan of the SEC? They're national title uh, contenders every year until about week two or three. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, you say that, and they beat Alabama last year, but still, I mean, that was <laughs> that's that, that game's kind of it's a rivalry game. It's different. I think Alabama's roster, top to bottom, is a lot better. Um, but you know, they were on the road, and, and Auburn got them. But yeah, I don't know. I think the SEC is is very good. But yeah, to answer your original question, I do think that um, I don't remember what my original question was. Yeah. Well, you asked if um, <laughs> oh, if, they, if it'd if be Clemson, easier or harder. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it would I be. You. It's a more. It's a tougher league, so yeah, it would be more difficult. But I do still think they could. I think they would be fine in that league. Yeah. It's not hey, like they would be of, a eight one team. Speaking of a uh, rivalry game, we're talking about Auburn Alabama. Um, how about Mac? Uh, did you listen to Chris Williams and uh, interview Mac? Chris and, and Brent interview uh, Coach Mac? Yeah, I listened to, yeah, I need to finish and, it. And up. Mac, put to, to Mac put to bed the uh, the illusion that uh, Iowa State takes the game more seriously than Iowa. I mean, he's he played in the game and coached the game on, on the every, Anytime anybody ever said that to him, like, let's see, he grew up in Iowa City. He plays there for Hayden Fry. He's a captain for Hayden Fry. Gets his coaching start there. Has an unbelievable run as a coach and – of course, like that game's going to mean more to him. Like it's mm-hmm. like if we, if we went and played like, you know, mountain union somehow, like that game would mean more to coach Campbell. Like it's just a hundred percent. Like if you, well, I mean, his point was, I mean, it never, he, it's not like when he was on Iowa's side, they ever took it any less serious than what he did no. when he was a coach and what he did for his program at Iowa state. Dude, when, we, when we lost in well, Iowa city, they, an argument. Like, that's not a real yeah, like, no. And like, Oh six, I think when we lost in Iowa city, they stormed the field. Like, yeah, like we know players over, they care about it. Ference cares about that game. Exactly. It's just that like, we had to fight Mac had to fight so hard to make it a rivalry and win five straight from like 98 was Oh three, 98 to Oh two of those five games. Mm-hmm. Like that was huge. That's why it, that's why, like, I mean, that game means so much today because of what he was able to do. Absolutely. That, uh, if that, you guys, yeah. if anybody listening hasn't listened to that, uh, that interview, go back and listen to the Brent and yeah, you need to. coach Mack. I mean, it's a little, you, you know, make sure you got some coffee poured cause you want to have some energy. It's a little, he's a little subdued. He's a little quiet. So you don't want to fall asleep. So have something that can keep you up. But no, yeah, it's, uh, it's typical co- coach Mack. It's piss and vinegar. It's, um, just real, 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 real exciting stuff. Piss and so, vinegar. Is that a thing? Is that a saying? Yeah. That's like when you're all kind of fired up, like before a game, it's full of piss and vinegar. All right. I'll take your word for it. I, I'm <laughs> going to start using that as my kids. <laughs> I don't know if it applies to like parenthood, but I think it applies to coaching a football team. But uh, no, that, that interview with Coach Mack, I, I text Chris after I listened to it. I think that interview with Coach Mack and the interview he did with Jamie Pollard earlier this year um, are two of the best I've listened to. I mean, those, you know, he, he does such a good job of asking a question. And Brent, too, when he's on, he, they do such a good job of asking a question and leading them into something and then just getting out of their way and letting them go with it. And, and they don't. So I, I got to applaud those two guys on just a – Yeah. That Chris podcast was, was so good. They let Mack yeah. be Mack. They, you know, give him a question – give him a topic to talk about and then just let Mac go, which is where, when he's at his best, when he can just, uh, just go off on a topic and rant and talk about something for a while. So coach Mac yep. is the best man. That, that reminded yeah, me why, um, you know, why I wanted to be a cyclone all those years ago, however many years ago it was now. So because you know, you get a chance to play with me, but, um, but yeah, for coach sure. Mac too, I guess. No, I'm kidding. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked at the roster and 
said, uh, you know, well, I don't want to play with Austin Flynn. I don't want Flynn to be my quarterback. So, Flynn, if you're listening, um, you know, honestly, was I thought Nate McHaleson was going to be my quarterback, and then it ended up end up being Brett. So, speaking <laughs> of Austin, speaking of Austin Flynn, like, so like Flynn there's somebody on first, Twitter. Uh, my first two, three touchdowns, Flynn threw me though. Flynn was Flynn was uh, had a little cowboy on him. He'd sometimes just chuck it up, which is a, as a tall receiver that wasn't going to run by anybody. Um, sometimes I appreciate him just throwing it into coverage for me. So there was this guy on. Uh, Are you looking up something on Flint's Twitter? <laughs> well, no, there was a guy like uh, what's his name? Um, he was like an old cowboy scout. He's out of Texas. He's Gil like Brandt? he's yeah. Gil Brandt was like, who's the best high school football player you've ever seen in the history? I saw, of the state I of saw Texas. your tweet. <laughs> I go Austin Flint from Deer Park, and some guy just lights me up. I go, oh, I got seriously. Fight. You got a response? Well, some people, some people liked it. Some of them laugh. Oh, okay. People, Iowa State people would know that you were, you know, shouting out a buddy. Yeah. He, this guy goes, dang, I went to Deer Park to the ninth grade. The deer, such an intimidating mascot. Not. Got a write up. That was like episode one or two. We talked about Deer Park. I know how bad Deer Park deer mascot is. But uh, <laughs> all right, let's transition here. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Extremely important game this week on the road in Stillwater, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, 3-0, and 2-0 in league play. They haven't really been tested yet. I mean, they played Tulsa, uh, West Virginia, and then obviously Kansas. Um, so, yeah, they, they really <laughs> – Kansas. They haven't really played – haven't really been tested. So, you know, 3-0, and obviously a good team. You know, Mike Gundy offense, Chuba, Chuba Hubbard. I almost, I, I wanted to say Chuba, but you corrected me. Chuba, that's right. I had to Google it and listen to an audio clip of an. Well, yeah, I mean, isn't like Brock Purdy, his little brother's name is, or Nick, I don't know if that's his real name or a nickname, but they call him Chuba. Chuba, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, maybe Chuba, Chuba, whatever. But uh, he's one of the better running backs in the country and obviously in our league. So they're yeah, the most be, talented team we'll face this year. I mean, with Tylen Wallace at receiver, I mean, he's – the last two years, he's been as good as anybody in the country. Obviously, he got – tore up his knee last year and missed the last half of last season or so. But he's a dynamic, dynamic receiver, and he looks back to full speed this year. So, this will be the most talented team that we've faced thus far for sure and probably will all season. Yeah, but it's going to be their biggest test. I mean, they haven't seen a defense oh, like ours schematically. And I know some – you know, their teams in leaves kind of have kind of stolen what we do. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, – you know, it's one of those games where not as much like when we played and we go play like Texas Tech when they had like Graham Harrell and Crabtree and Amendola and Mike Leach calling plays. It was like we legit got to score like every other. Yeah, if we ever went yeah. – uh, if we ever went like three and out or, or, you know, had a series that we didn't get a field goal or something, it's like, well, now we're going to lose because yeah, you yeah, have to score. score. You have to get at least a field goal every possession or it's yeah, just not going to work. Yeah, we're at a different point, obviously, in our program and the way the game's played. But, um, yeah, I mean, we got to have our eight players. They got to get A's. We got to have Brock seems to have come on. Brock Purdy lately in the last couple yeah, of games. And Brees Hall needs to continue to be Brees Hall and just be consistent. And, um, obviously, Charlie Kohler and our tight end group and the receivers continue to improve. And just our defense needs to be – just continue to do what they've done all year take the ball away and just be, you know, be consistent and keep everything in front of them. And we got a great, you know, front seven, that I think can uh, help, you know, help limit the run game. And you know, hopefully we'll be able to go down there and get a big win. I mean, it's, it's a position to be in where even, you know, obviously we want to win the game, but even if we don't win, we still control our own destiny. 
you know, how many times we've been able to say that, you know, almost halfway through, halfway through a season. So, um, good spot to be in. We played, unfortunately. Well, that's true. We'll, we'll, we'll forget about those, but, <laughs> but no, it's, I mean, this is a, this is a huge week. I think for us, it's a, it's a big week for the program. Just, you know, what it could mean moving forward if we're able to take care of business down there. Um, and I think nationally with us being ranked, uh, you know, depending on the poll 17 and then, uh, them being ranked six, I mean, nationally, we're starting to get a lot of at least more attention. Um, there's going to be more eyes on this game. Um, so if we can come out and, and play well, like you said, I think Brock's looked like how we thought he would look all season the last, you know, game or two. Um, tight ends have looked fantastic. Brees Hall has been arguably the best running back in college football. I'm still waiting for our receivers to kind of break out and really play, uh, really play a really good football game as a unit. Um, but, uh, I mean, our, our offense is, is pretty explosive and, and we're fun to watch. And then like you, like you talked about, our defense is it's different from what a lot of guys see. It's very multiple uh, and it's, it's tough for opposing offenses that you just get one week to prepare. Although these guys have had, they haven't played in like 21 days. So that's, uh, yeah, that's maybe a, they, they'll yeah, be healthy. Be a, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, you say that, but then you never know because college, you know, we don't, you don't have to report injuries. So, we could be finding out 10 minutes before the game that they're down seven players and we could be, you know, but true. Um, that's 2020. That's, that's trying to conduct professional and college sports in, in the year 2020. I mean, yeah. Have they said, do we know what quarterback is going to be playing for him? I haven't heard them say anything definite. I mean, the Sanders, their returning returning starter is supposed to be healthy this week. So, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those. I mean, who knows? It's it's that's an offense where I don't want to say it's plug and play. You want to have your starters in there, but you know, because they got off to a slow start against Tulsa. Mm-hmm. I remember that game early this year? But I'm looking back at our Oklahoma State game. So we went down there in 2004. So our freshman year mm-hmm. got spanked 36 to seven. Was it 36 to seven? Yikes! Yeah. I don't remember being excited. I remember you scored the one touchdown. Yeah. And then yeah, oh, five when they came up here. Yeah, we beat them. And then between two 10. guys in the back corner of the end zone. Yeah, perfect throw ball. probably. I don't remember. It was, I mean, really. If nah, you, it was underthrown. Woefully underthrown. I've gone back and watched the tapes, and uh, it was, it was a ball. You fit it right in between two guys. But, um, yeah, we came back out the next year and played them at our place and, and kind of got back on track with that game. 37 to 10, yeah. Was that that might have been Gundy? That's when they had like nineteen Woods brothers. They had a receiver and like a quarterback. Yeah, Sean Woods and some, yeah, they did. One they of the like Woods guys was playing when there. Gundy went on his like "I'm a man, I'm forty rant. And I guess like the the player and his family were they just they didn't like Gundy, and they hated it because it was just really? like, yeah. If you go like read up on it, like I don't think that they felt. Um. I don't think they felt as, as good about it as like it was perceived, uh, which, you know, is the more we learn about Mike Gundy and how he treats his players and how they feel about him, he can get into the play for him, but I don't know if there's much, uh, Hey, I'm going to go back and see coach Gundy. Cause he's my guy. Hey, going on speaking there. of that, do we want to uh, talk about the, uh, the legal situation? I mean, we're under no, no restrictions legally to talk about what's going on in Iowa city. Uh, do we want to talk about that at all? <laughs> I saw a $20 million dollar lawsuit. I mean, Let you me got to prove thoughts, something right? in a lawsuit. I, I think they, what they want is probably 
I know that Doyle, you know, Doyle lost his job, but um, there's probably a number of people that feel like... He also got paid $1.1 million to, to walk away. Yeah, but that's just, I mean, you have a contract and, you know, whatever. It's probably whatever we got to do to make it easy for him to go away. But there's probably a lot of people, and I just, I didn't, you know, that feel like, you know, Ference is the head of the program for, you know, 20 plus whatever years. And, like, the strength coach doesn't set, like, the policies and procedures and rules. That's the head coach that does that. And if those rules made, you know, a certain portion of your team who just happens to be black feel that they were being targeted and treated differently, I mean, to the point where it's like, you know, you have 60, 70, whatever guys come forward, and those are the only ones that came forward, like something's there. And that's, that's wrong, and that falls on, in my opinion, the head coach. Absolutely. It's, it's his name. I mean, he, he, yeah, you know, his I mean, name at the top of the list, he's in the big office. Uh, I think, you know, strength coach and the strength staff has the most contact with players. Nobody's going to argue that. And a lot of the culture can be set. You know, the, they always talk about the culture of a team. A lot of that can be set by the strength staff and, and the strength coach. But when it comes down to it, anything that's right or wrong is going to fall at the feet of the head coach because it is, you know, he's the one making the big money. Uh, and it's his job to make sure things are, are happening the way they're supposed to happen under his watch and his program. So, yeah, whether he – you know, if he did know about it and, and didn't do anything about it, he's wrong. And if he didn't know about it, he's wrong. So that's kind of my take yeah. on it. Well, they did come I, to I'm, sure it's, like... I'm sure there's some gray area and there's somewhere in between what, what both sides are saying. That's kind of always the way it is and everything. Um, but either way, if there's any truth to it at all, which I'm sure there is with this many people coming out and saying something, it's something that needs to be fixed. And, and I'm sure those guys are kind of just looking for somebody to be held accountable. Yeah, but they did come to them like two or three years ago with it. And essentially they loosened up some rules to be like, Hey, you guys can wear like earrings and hat. It was very like, it was kind of like, you know, when, like when everything with George Floyd was going on and there was like a group of realtors, like, I think it was like in Texas or something that was like, Hey, you know what? We're not going to refer to the master bedroom as the master bedroom anymore. And everybody was like, yeah, that's not really what we asked for. Like nobody asked for that. <laughs> that's not like, really, that's not, that's really not really the, the issue. Point. So I think that kind of is at play here where like it was brought forth a few years ago. And, you know, they had like a committee and like, Hey, this is our like diversity team. We're going to implement all these policies. It was just like little stuff like, Hey, you guys can wear earrings in, in, the, in the facility. And it was kind of like, you know, maybe the college kids and you can fool them into thinking that's what they really want. But in the grand scheme, that wasn't enough and they did not address it. And that's why it came up again now and where we are, where we are. So, yeah, um, I mean, you can't, you can't still degrade and be condescending to a person, but let them wear earrings and think everything's going to be all right. Yeah. I mean, that's not, uh, especially but, but, in today's world. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Cause I know that, um, I know some time has gone by, but you know, if, if the team wants to kneel, I can promise you that a hundred percent of players on the team don't want to do it. Yeah. Obviously the fans. How do you think the fans know, and I were going to feel about that? I mean, it depends on where they are politically. That's, I mean, that's a white and black <laughs> issue in terms of like. Yeah. And there's a lot of fans in Iowa that won't appreciate. That. Oh, I know they, they the won't, but they're still, still, they're going to, you know, you'll have the ones who say I'm done and they'll be watching the game every week. Exactly. And then you'll have people who are like, Hey, that's your constitutional right. <laughs> Which it is to peacefully protest however you want. But certainly I would say that, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, because we didn't see a single national anthem and I started 48 games. I didn't see one. Why? Because no. we were in the locker room. So that's probably what they'll do is just keep them in the locker room so they avoid it altogether. You want to know, uh, 
I don't know if I said this before, but in the two games that we got to play at Roosevelt this year, um, if you know if anybody's forgotten, they canceled our season this year, uh, which is BS. Um, I'm not going to swear because my mom will get mad at me. But uh, in the two games that we played, so we played at Valley, and we were told that we were going to be on the field for the national uh, for the national anthem. Our our kids had talked; they made a decision as a team that they were going to kneel. Um, and so, but then they played, they wait till both teams after warmups went back in the locker room for the, you know, quick pregame meetings and they, uh, played the national anthem while we were in the locker room. Um, I'm, you know, obviously on purpose to avoid anything. And then we had a home game, uh, Roosevelt did against, uh, Des Moines East and we were getting ready to, uh, we're the same thing. We're going to kneel for the national anthem. We get out there. We're on the field for the national anthem. Uh, our kids all take a knee, um, you know, all the way across the board, we sit there in silence as our kids take a knee for about, I don't know, two, three minutes. Somebody comes over the loudspeaker and says, uh, technical difficulties. We're not going to be, we can't play the national anthem tonight. I mean, yeah, what <laughs> we around like, I don't That's... think there's technical difficulties. I think somebody just wanted to avoid uh, any issues and said, Oh, they look like they're taking a knee. We're not going to play it, which to me is kind of taken away that right uh, of the kids to, to have a, you know, make a peaceful protest and, and kind of, Say their piece. Not kind of taking it away. It's one hundred percent away because yeah, it makes you <laughs> uncomfortable. Which yeah, I mean, I, we don't need to litigate the kneeling because I think that's gone from something that was initially impactful to kind of a you know somewhat of a gesture now that just you know because when we start talking about like even the NBA, it was like you know one guy for this team and one guy for that team didn't kneel. They're reporting on it. It's like okay. You're, yeah. I mean, you're literally talking about nothing of why they're kneeling or who's doing what. Oh, you're just saying this person kneeled. And it got to that way in the NFL too. So mm-hmm. The only know, good hopefully. thing I'll say about that before we get off that topic is at least I think for the most part, the conversation got where Kaepernick was trying to get it to, uh, to where it wasn't. Uh, I think people finally understood and kind of, you know, got to the point where they, they knew that it, it wasn't about disrespecting the flag of the troops or anything like that. Um, it was truly just trying to start a conversation. Uh, I think yeah. our country, for the most part, kind of got to that place. Um, and then, yeah, th- but then the conversation, like it always does, switches to something that it doesn't need to be, and it became, well, who's not kneeling? Now we're pissed at these guys. Yeah, it just, you know, it's it's 2020 in the era we are and, and how divided we are, trying to have some highly complex conversations about race. And it's just, yeah, we, we don't have the – we're just not, not everybody capable. can be like me and you, buddy. <laughs> hey, I, I got a PhD in, in race, and everybody just needs to be adopted by a family. Like, if you're white, you got to be adopted by a black family, vice versa, and raised <laughs> in the environment where you're the minority 100% of the time. And then you'll have a, a, a really good understanding of, of other people and be able to respect and respectfully disagree while at the same time continuing and maintaining relationships and learning empathy, empathy and understanding. And then you can, you can come to the table and just have a conversation with somebody about a topic that maybe you disagree with them on. That is a hot button issue and, you know, still function after you yeah. have those conversations. Without just and, losing your mind and not oh, being able to speak yeah, to ever again. Yeah. And I understand that's not realistic, um, but <clears throat> not everybody can be as mature as you. That is, that is the truth. Well, I'll say you are, You've been exposed. Oh. You, you were, well, I'm just saying like, okay. how many teams, <laughs> like you think about something like at Iowa, like, or just any team that had those issues. Like the reality is like most like black players live with 
black teammates and most of the white guys live with their white teammates or like you were the only white person in, in the, at the crib in college. Like you were, <laughs> and like you, it was like Tony Yelk. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, we had a lot of like, guy. I don't want to make it. I, I, I think my, it out I think my wife was my first white roommate. So, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying though? Like, no, yeah, that's just sure. the way it is. So like, you know, even at Iowa, they had like, Hey, we had these emotional meetings and it's like, all right, as soon as the meeting's over, the black players are going home with their black teammates and the white guys are going home with their white teammates. And, you're probably having different conversations than you have when everybody was together. So yeah, it's just, that's an extremely difficult thing to have going on in a team, but it's still, I mean, they're going to, they could come out and, and still play really good football. Cause like once you're in there and once you're playing and you guys are making plays for each other, it's completely different. But I still think the dynamic is there potentially for um, it is. I mean, not, you, everybody to not be on the same page, which is, yeah, you think about, <clears throat> I mean, I think coach Mack and I would say we had, you know, things like at lunch and dinner and stuff during two days where, you know, we'd sit with uh, position groups as opposed to sitting with just whoever, just to try and mix and match like, Hey, this guy's from Florida, Texas, California, wherever, and try and get you to not just black and white, just branch out and be around guys that uh, with different backgrounds. Um, but you are right. Like there, there were guys that I wasn't real close to on the team on a personal level, but when you get on the field on Saturday, it doesn't matter. Cause the one thing about football and why it's, you know, such a good kind of teacher for life is the fact that, you know, you're all putting in the same amount of work. You're all doing the same thing, the blood, sweat, and tears and grinding all week long for the same goal on Saturday. And so even if you necessarily, you know, aren't best friends with the guy that you're playing across from, like me and you, we didn't really like each other. Um, you can still, uh, you, you know, still you can still, <laughs> yeah, you can still, you still have the same goal. So you can still play hard. And you still have your brother's back. Um, mm -hmm. which is, I think, such a cool thing about football um, and, and a lot of sports, but football to me more so than any other. Yeah. So, all right. Now, okay, that we, we got solved, a little yeah. we, should we wrap it. No, we <laughs> solved everything. I'm just, I'm just looking. I still have the page up. I'm looking at the box score from our game in 05. We, had, we forced six turnovers. It's crazy. They had more first downs than we did. We outgained them 374, 326. And we had a good, uh, we had a really good defense. No, five. No, our offense is good too. But how many tackles did uh, did Ace have? Uh, let's see your full box score. He he had a few games. We felt like he had like twenty five tackles. Yeah. Gee. And then Lamarcus had two interceptions. Moser had one. Dre DeAndre Jackson had one. Jeez. Was it Okie State where Dre had the play? They threw a hitch on him. I swear it was Okie State because that. Um, Somebody ran a hitch on DeAndre. So DeAndre Jackson, our corner, was one of the most athletic dudes I've ever seen in my life. And they threw – they just ran a simple five-yard hitch. So five yards and stop, turn around, wait for the ball as a receiver. And Dre broke on the ball and was directly – like the receiver was directly between him and the, and the quarterback. And so Dre just decides – instead of going like around the guy to try and knock the pass down, he leaps just straight over the guy like – like splits his legs to, to split the guy's head and just flips over top of the guy and knocks the ball down, almost picks it off. I mean, just does a full front flip directly over top of the guy and almost picks it off. One of the most athletic plays I've ever seen. I think that this was is the game State where, yeah, game. this is the game where D Brown, David Brown, you remember him at running back? He's from Texas. Oh, yeah. I think he was a walk on. Yeah. He was good. He was a good player, but he just never, you know. Yeah, he's kind of a kind of a career scout teamer up to, yeah, he had up like to almost, that point. Yeah, he, had and he got his carries, yeah. Involved. 77 yards, average almost five yards a pop, man. Good play. But yeah, let's um yeah, let's wrap, man. We had a good conversation, but looking forward to it this Saturday. The wedding starts, I think, four. Iowa State kicks at two thirty, so we'll see. I'll have to 
get the phone on and, and, and check out and check in and out. Gonna what's say, going on. Some sort of streaming service, I assume. Yeah, oh, I got the ESPN plus. The yeah. yeah, you froze on me. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. We might be the hotel Wi-Fi might be catching up to us here, but uh, <laughs> a little sketchy. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's good chatting with you, like right, always, brother, man. Go Cyclones. Yeah, clones by a million. Um, hopefully, this thing loads and uploads, and we can share it with the world. Um, but we'll see. I need Marriott <laughs> and Northwest Omaha to, to come through here. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Your room will take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, bud. Be good. We'll All talk. Right, yeah.